When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie with you on Great Cup Sunday. But more attention to this point has been given to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and the F1 World Championship. They tell me Max Verstappen won it all this morning and it's making big news on Twitter. Julian, are you an F1 guy? So, like, I'm a very, very, very casual F1 guy. I got to cover the Canadian Grand Prix one year, but uh, the race was billed as essentially Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. Whoever's going to win that race is pretty much going to win uh the entirety of the f1 championship that year and i don't know if you got to watch any of it at all but ridiculous controversy leading to max Verstappen winning first uh lewis was like riding on tires that had been like running for like 30 or 40 odd laps so he was already trying to push through then an accident happens near the end with uh i think toronto's own nicholas latifi which essentially forces all of the it brings out the safety car all the cars are kind of starting to get close to each other and everyone's wondering, okay, all the cars who have been lapped, are they going to be able to move out the way for Max Verstappen to get in front or are they just going to stay in place and the race is just going to end basically with a safety car and no other extra laps or, or no actual real running laps are going to run at like the very last second, the race officials say, okay, we're going to let all of the, uh, lap cars out the way. Max Verstappen gets to ride up to the front. And essentially, it's a side-by-side -side between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen in the final lap of the race. And it looked like Lewis was going to win. And then Verstappen just pulls ahead. And as much as I really wanted to see Lewis win, that was one of the most riveting pieces of sports drama I've seen all year, maybe even ever. A lot of people are considering this as one of the greatest F1 seasons ever. As controversial as that finish was, craziness just absolute scenes i have to get into this drive to survive series now because when they show all of that next year for netflix it's going to be insane okay so you're an f1 guy you broke that down i mean you're talking about tread <laughs> on lewis's tires 30 laps like that's enough for me to uh to anoint you an f1 guy but you did it without watching the series i mean that's like the that was the turning point it seems for most people they watched the series and they got into it but you do it in reverse order here yeah, I mean, that's how I've, whenever I've watched F1, I just watch the races. Like, I, I I haven't watched an episode of Drive to Survive, but it apparently is what has gotten so many people into this sport, not just in Canada, but I guess all over the world, too. Like, I, I was, like, tweeting about it. I had friends messaging me and being like, I didn't know you watched F1. I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, I, I guess I got to watch this, this series now because I hear it all the time. 
from like a whole bunch of friends even adam wild from the sdpn is like always talking about it so mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess i gotta watch the series for for next season because they're gonna show everything that happened in this year and i mean verstappen versus hamilton i mean that's that looks as if it's going to be a booming rivalry for years to come. I mean, you have the, a guy who is arguably one of the greatest to ever do it, if not the greatest, versus a young upstart who looks to win a few championships in his prime. So it's going to be really fun. I, I didn't think I'd get this into F1, man. Like, it's it's a fun sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I got to give it more of a chance, but I did watch some of the series. I did watch it on a plane, like, you know, when you just, like, okay. download all the Netflix shows you can so that you're ready for for a longer plane ride. And I watched on there and I loved it. Like it was really interesting and it got me through that plane ride. So I thank Drive to Survive for that. But for some reason, maybe I just, maybe that viewing experience wasn't right because maybe you, you shouldn't watch something on a plane that you actually want to enjoy later on because it's kind of like, I don't know. It's not, it's not the full experience, I guess. It's just getting you through it. Uh, but I, I never picked it up again after that. And I certainly haven't picked up the sport since then. But it is interesting how it seems like one documentary series has allowed this sport to grow exponentially and yet in the nhl we have your colleagues writing about how dinosaurs still roam the earth with john tortorella <laughs> uh criticizing yes. trevor zegris so looks like the nhl has a little ways to go but hey room to improve maybe they can be the next sport to take off if they embrace some sort of personality driven content that we just have not seen from the nhl are they still doing like a documentary for the winter classic? Is that still a thing? I feel like it is a thing. I feel like it's debuting soon, but again, it's just not like the Leafs proved it. It was so neutered and so uninspiring yeah. and they couldn't figure out whether they wanted it to be a Netflix show for viewers in Spain, or they wanted it to be something for Leaf fans and hockey fans and fans that know more about the sport already and that need to, you know, look under the hood a little bit more rather than, oh, this is John Tavares's uncle. He was a famous lacrosse player. Like that is just not interesting to a Leaf fan, to a hockey fan in Canada. Uh, but maybe it plays to, you know, the Netflix viewers around the world globally. Uh, I just don't think they did it right. And again, it's not Netflix, Amazon, but, you know, Amazon you know Prime, but and, yeah. Yeah. No, I was, yeah, I was just going to say like, it's, it's not to lament on this that with this piece of content that came out like months ago but like as somebody who obviously watched the series i would have loved to have seen so much more uh and i'm in when i mean series obviously in the playoff series with the canadians and the leafs i would have loved to have seen so much more post reaction of that series with the leafs and and seeing how they feel about it and just a little bit more in depth stuff with the players and 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 sheldon keith like we got like tastes of it but not nearly enough compared to what we see in, in drive to survive and, and other series detailing premier league teams as well. And other sports series we get like being on the surface, especially now with the, with the access we can get to so many other leagues, it, it's, it's not going to cut it. And, and the fact that the NHL is lagging behind, like the fact I don't even remember there's supposed to be a winter classic series going on. Like that's, that's not a good sign, right? And I'm supposed to be someone who's supposed to be knowing a little bit more than the average fan as, as a media person. But, like, that's mm-hmm. that's not a good sign. Yeah, we're 0 for 2, but that's not our fault. We'll just uh, put our foot in the ground and, and blame the everybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the difference between the F1 and, you know what, there's a lot of successful uh, docuseries about soccer clubs in Europe and so on and so forth. I just think the honesty is different and the willingness to, like, show more is so much different. I think there might've been players. We can go back to Trevor Zegers. I think Trevor Zegers wants to welcome you into his world, 
but yeah. I'm not sure that the NHL wants Trevor Zegras for whatever reason, or the maybe you know the Anaheim Ducks are pretty good, but I, I just don't feel like there's that same level. Whereas you know, not that all these F1 drivers are European, but uh, a lot of the fan base is there, a lot of the the passion for the sport is there. And we see that from soccer clubs and soccer players that are just more willing to be honest, more willing to share their opinions about others. Whereas here, it just seems to be very closed off. And until, you know, until we see more and more players that are willing to be like that or be open and be honest, uh, you know, it's going to lag behind. But it's also part of the machine, too. I think that the NHL just hasn't figured out that piece just yet. Yeah, it, it seems to just be really tough, and it just goes off to the mentality of the whole shirt on the front, not the name on the back. And to make it a little bit more about torts uh, and what he said about Trevor Zegers and, and all that, like, I would love, one, it'd be cool to see, like, a documentary series about the NIM Ducks, what they're going through right now, because no one expected the season that they had. But for John Tortorella to go out and, and make that take about the Trevor Zegers assist, which I think is one of the best plays we've seen in a long time, uh, I hate that take more than what he said about Connor McDavid earlier when we were talking about mm-hmm. that on a previous episode of the show. Like, it's just an old curmudgeon like, just archaic way of looking at the game. I am surprised that nobody tried to take a run at Zegers to try to stop him from making the, the half Michigan or whatever he did. But it's clearly something that's got so many people talking and so many people into it. And it was a fun play to have happen. Like mm-hmm. he, I, he, Torch is just kind of showing off sour grapes here. And while some people are trying to make the point that like, oh, well, we need a guy like a guy like him is on ESPN just to ensure that you have that difference of opinion and and you're getting clicks on ESPN for stuff like that. Like, I don't see Torch as somebody who's going to like come up with that stuff just to do it. That I think that line of thinking kind of checks out with how he feels about the game over the last few years. And I, I was I mean, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but like it's just. I don't think we need that necessarily. I'm not saying we don't need that, but I, I very much disagree with what he had to say. about it's a great play. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, like, should he just, you know, try a basic wrap around, just try to skate around the behind the behind the net and turns into a nothing play. It turned into a play that we have people wondering if it's like a game-changing play for the league, if it's something that stands the test of time against so many other major highlights that we've seen across the sporting world. Like I think Hockey Night in Canada even showed like a like a montage of all these different kids at yeah, the minor league cool. level who were already trying it. Like, this is cool. This is something that the National Hockey League should be promoting like crazy. Uh, but as long as we have people like John Tortorella with that opposite view, like I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen if someone else tries to do it again. And I also wonder what other players who I think are also of that old school as well might think of that too. Like we were harping on Tortorella a lot because he put his point out there, but don't tell me that there are guys in the national hockey league who look at what Trevor Zegers did and are thinking, you know, that are not thinking, Hey, you know what? This guy's hot dogging it. I don't like that. There are guys out there who feel that way too. It's, it's more than just one person's opinion here. I think there's a lot of people who share that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's less and less though. I mean, I, I do believe that I, I mean, the only negativity I really saw was from Tortorella who said, and I, you know, I, I mentioned that I didn't like what he said about McDavid. I was sort of disappointed with ESPN because I thought they were, maybe going to hold the game and the commentary around the game to a better standard or a higher standard than that. But I mean, I think you mentioned it is sort of deliberate what they're doing here. And he's like smiling before he says it. It's almost like put on and contrived and, and, and just all of it sort of stinks. 
But the worst part about it, he, I is, don't think, I don't think him, be, I don't think he's necessarily being contrived. I think ESPN is leaning into that because they know yeah, you'll have. They're that like, thing. oh, Torts is, I mean. Torts probably said something, and then they're like, oh, let's ask Torts about it. This is great. And exactly. Of course, it's got everyone talking, and you, you know, you know where we're at now. But I think the worst part about it is that he said, or the 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 most false part about it is that he said that it's we're going to lose fans because of this. But that's just patently absurd and wrong. Like, it's just false, objectively wrong. We've seen so many people talking about it and trying it and all this forward momentum from it. Everything about it has been positive except Tort's assessment of the play. There's no way that this is going to hurt them in terms of building a fan base because more and more people saw it, are interested in it, and are now interested in Zegras. And now I want to watch the Anaheim Ducks. And Elliot Friedman said the same on Saturday night, that he wants to have an eye on the Ducks all the time. How is that a bad thing when more and more people want to watch the Anaheim Ducks, who for the last three or four years have been as unimportant of a franchise in the NHL, really, in the grand scheme of things? It's a ridiculous take because it can only lead to more and more attention around one team, one player, and therefore the NHL. Yeah, it's just... I get why Torts is there, and I don't necessarily think that all of his opinions are bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I definitely disagree with this one. And the fact that – and I still think that there are other people out there who aren't going to be nearly as vocal as John Torella about it. Uh, but there are who, – who feel that, like, you know what, maybe Zegers was just kind of just overdoing it. But for people like us who want to see those guys overdo it, who want to see greatness, who want to see fun stuff out there, this is just a perfect play to have happen. Like, I, I think it's one of the best things we've seen all season, maybe even all calendar year. There's even a chance it could be the best play of the century. Probably not better than Ovechkin's amazing goal, but we're starting to look at it compared to so many other great assists and great NHL plays over the last how many years. This is the conversation we should be having and and not necessarily the idea that, that John Tortorella, who is no longer coaching in the NHL, didn't necessarily like that play we got I, I and I know I, I kind of fed the flames a little bit on Twitter with that but we also got to give some praise to the assist yeah I mean you, you, I think you use the right word there overdoing it NHL players never overdo it their their reaction their first instinct when they do something remarkable usually is to put their head down go to the bench where it's safe to at least show some emotion when you're looking at one of your teammates in the eyes. But generally, it's head down to center ice. That's what we've come to expect. Now, there's less and less of that, but overdoing it is something that we've never and don't see in the NHL. And it's what we see in other sports like F1, like the NFL, like the NBA. And that's one of the reasons why they get more and more attention because they are overdoing it. You have to overdo it. And Zegris did overdo it a bit. And guess what? It's more of a highlight because of the reaction on the bench, on the ice, on Twitter, in the ESPN interview. It's all part of it. He knows how to do something remarkable. He also knows how to market a moment like that. And that's what makes Trevor Zegers a little bit different than everybody else. Uh, so we have that play and the stick toss into the crowd, which he apparently got a game misconduct for. When did Trevor Zegers turn into one of the most interesting characters in the National Hockey League, man? Like, this is cool. Yeah, I love it. I mean, last year at the World Juniors, it seems like a lifetime ago, but yeah. we are just on the cusp of a new World Juniors. He was absolutely unbelievable. Just like every time he was on the ice, he was doing something special. I think we see a lot of it now with Anaheim. It's not all resulting in these amazing plays, but he does something every game, it seems, where it's just like, wow, that's 
that's ultra skill. And if he can put it all together and continue to put it all together, he's going to be one of those guys that's appointment viewing. And ESPN is going to want to book the Anaheim Ducks more and more and more. Um, the big news, I guess, right now from this week. I mean, there's been a couple things. We'll get into a couple others. It was the Zegris week, but now it's turning into the Olympic week after the Board of Governors meetings and NHL insiders getting some FaceTime with some important people. But the big news surrounds the Olympics. And basically, you know, there's new stipulations. Your friend and mine, Chris Johnson, shared those on Twitter. But I, what I'm starting to, what we're starting to understand is that, yes, the players are going to have this decision, but everyone around them, IOC, government officials, decisions make, decision makers in China, the NHL, everyone's going to make it very difficult for the NHLPA and the players that are going to eventually green light going. Because the latest news is that if there is a positive test, it could result in three to five weeks in quarantine in China, post games, locked up in a hotel room, um, afterwards when they should be with their NHL teams and that would result in a loss of pay. So this is sort of the latest, like, do you sure you want to go? Are you sure you want to go? You guys really want to go? Because this is what's on the table right now. And it feels like everybody is making it difficult for them to make that decision, but the decision will still lie with the players. So with this latest bit of news, your optimism, is it waning? Is it diminished? Is it kaput? Where where are you at here with with you know the decision that the players are going to have to make here, and I guess the obstacles in place. This doesn't make sense to me at all. If I was an NHL player, I would opt out like immediately. I do not like the idea of going abroad and risking getting COVID to the point where I would be quarantined up to five weeks uh, away from my team, away from home. Like, I, I, I just do not like that idea. And I feel with every passing day, go, NHL players going to the Olympics seems more and more like a bad idea. And, I mean, we're even seeing, like, media people just saying, like, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go. Like, what they exper- like, I think Ray Ferraro was talking about it on, uh, was it Drinks with Banks? There was a podcast he was on uh, this week where he basically said, like, all the experiences he had in the bubble uh, kind of played into why he wasn't going to want to do this again uh, in, in 2022. And I mean, that's just a media guy. Imagine being a player going through something like this, where again, you're away from your family. As long as you are, you could be quarantined. If you get uh, a positive COVID test up to five weeks, the players should be feeling away. If I'm an owner of an NHL team, like I, I always put myself in the shoes of Jeff Molson. When I think of this, but a lot of people are wondering if Carey price after what he's gone through over the last, how many months, uh, if he's trying to put himself in a position where he could even be available for Team Canada here, I don't want him going anywhere near that. He has un- injured enough as far as I'm concerned. And I know the Montreal Canadiens are not in a position where they're going to make the playoffs at all. I do not want him going if I am Jeff Molson. And I'm sure there are so many other NHL owners and coaches and all that who feel the same way about some of their players going through something like that. It just doesn't make sense to me. If I'm an NHL player, if I'm any other member of the NHL family, to see my guys go through something like that. It's interesting, the Ferraro thing, because, you know, he's had a lot of experiences. He's done a lot of cool things. He was a former NHL player. He's, you know, reached the pinnacle in terms of NHL broadcasting. He's seen it and done pretty much everything. 
Um, but you and I are still sort of getting into this, right? And I don't know if I was given the option, do you want to go to the Olympics? But you, if you get COVID, uh, you might have to be in a hotel room for three to five weeks. Honestly, being an Olympian is not the same as covering the Olympics, but I would probably take that risk if I'm being honest. Like really? I, it's, it's a bucket list item for me. Like it probably is for McDavid to represent his country at the Olympics. I want to go to an Olympics one day, even if it's not in the most ideal circumstances where it would be charter to the rink and back to your hotel room. I would still do that for the life experience, I think. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think that you said you wouldn't. Um, but I'm not in this circumstance. Like, like it's, it's on my bucket list, too, to go to the Olympics. But for these circumstances, like I, I, I don't think I'd do it. I'd stay home. And, and and I think I would. So I I feel like this is the this is what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to how bad do you want it? And we know that this is like only about five percent, probably less of players are actually going to have that opportunity to go. We know the other ninety five percent is like, yes, sign me up for three weeks at the beach. Let's do it. We are all for it. This is the big segment of the po- player population that's for it. But it is going to come down to the players that are going to go or not. So we first have to figure out. Okay, who's going, who's going to have these votes, who's going to have final say. So I guess they have to name teams. But then again, it's going to come down to how bad do you want it? How bad does an Austin Matthews and a Connor McDavid want to go? Does Sidney Crosby care to go really now that he's already had his Olympic moment? I mean, a lot of that stuff is going to come into play. And I'm just fascinated by how this decision is going to be made, who's going to make it, and ultimately the reasons why. I do find it strange why... I get why the NHL doesn't want them to go, but why is the IOC, why is the Chinese government, why are decision makers over there making it so difficult for the NHL? They should be doing everything they can to get NHL players there because that's the major event. That's the marquee event that might decide whether or not it's a successful Olympics or not. You can ask Pyeongchang if they were better off without NHLers. I'm sure they would say no. So a lot of layers to this, a lot of chapters still to be written, but at this point it comes down to, it seems whether you do want to go or you don't want to go and how bad you want to go. And even between you and me, I think we have a difference in opinion, which is interesting. Yeah. I, I just think the idea of just putting myself in a situation with COVID uh, abroad and, and the rules that are there, like that's, that gives me a lot of pause. I think if we were in a different situation where, you know, if you have a COVID test and you're vaccinated, I think we both we're both vaccinated for what it's worth. And mm-hmm. maybe you're out like a day or 24 hours or something over an event that's like two weeks. That's a lot different compared to possibly being quarantined away up to like five weeks. Like that's, and I know I'm harping over the extreme of that, but I, I don't know. You, I feel like you can't really take, you have to be very careful about the chances you take now, especially with the COVID variants that are out there. We all know about Omicron doing its thing. Uh, I just think with, the way things are leaning right now and, and the stipulations that are out there, like for me, I, I just would kind of really at least consider this before I, I go on to say yes. Uh, I, and as, and I'm not to say that I was ever even given the opportunity to go to this particular Olympics, but I just know if I was asked, like, I, I don't think I'd say yes. I just wait for the next opportunity. And, and I mean, as media people, it may be a little bit easier for us. If we're in a position where, we're starting to get asked to go to the Olympics. That probably means we're going to get asked to go in four years time in eight years time. That's fine. I think of a guy, I think of a guy like Steven Stamkos who has had so many 
I mean, so many opportunities to go to the Olympics dash for so many different reasons, injuries, uh, fights between the NHL, the IOC, keeping him out in, in Pyeongchang. And I mean, there's a chance he could be on this roster too. And COVID could ultimately keep him out if the NHL or if the HL says, you know what, we're not going to do this. Like I think of those guys and I do sympathize for them, but I also completely understand if those guys, for whatever reason, feel a way about not going to the Olympics and saying, you know what, like I'd rather just stay back at home and not put myself in harm's way. I mean, COVID's around, you're going to be in harm's way regardless of the way you see it. But at the very least, like you're not going to be up in quarantine for five weeks. That whole thing, that scares me the most. Like being locked up in a room or your own hotel room for over a month. That's just, that's too much for me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I mean, it's a risk that uh, they're going to have to decide whether or not they're willing to take. It sounds like more and more that that's doubtful that that will be allowed. And I get why, because, you know, if your job prevents you from doing something, then it prevents you from doing something. If, if, you know, if we were in the situation where we're in, it's like, okay, you can go, but you know, if you're not back, then we're going to have to dismiss you from your or terminate you from your job. Well, then you can't go like you have to, you know, the real world, real world comes first. And the real world for people like Stamkos and John Tavares, who are in the conversation and have missed out on important Olympic time. You know, there's Steven Stamkos just had his second kid, I believe. John, John Tavares got two kids at home. Like they're big, big decisions that would have to be made and big, big life choices that would have to be weighed difference between you and me though is you got that bloated social calendar like if you miss three to five three to five weeks off the grid for you would be a big problem for me you know i could i could probably manage hold up in a hotel room yeah but you're but you also have like a wife you know what i'm saying like i'm also a single dude too like i mean you you gotta think about that too my brother like you you definitely have to think about some things as well Maybe that's more reason to be in a hotel room for five weeks uh oh, just kidding boy. just, 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 <laughs> just kidding. No, I mean, I mean, it's it's exactly it though. That's the the decisions that people are going to have to be made, or that are going to have to be made, and the and the the options that are going to be weighed. And the decision has to come down before I believe January tenth. I expect mm-hmm. we're not going to get official word until the eighth, ninth, or tenth, the eleventh hour for sure. Well, one thing I'll mention too from the the Gary Bettman press conference uh, with Bill Daly over the weekend. Uh, well, Friday actually. It seemed as if Bill Daly made it seem as if, yes, like, I mean, the we all know about the January 10th date, but it seems as if they're not making it like a, a full-on, like, deadline date. That's what at least what they were trying to make it seem like with that. So I was under the impression that it was the absolute be-all and end-all deadline, but it, I feel as if the NHL is also going to try to 
see to it that you're able to really look at this COVID situation. They're saying, you know what, like maybe we need a bit more time before we can actually make this decision. And who knows, say like January 10th, they say, you know what, we're going to make this work. But then some massive outbreak comes like the 18th. Like, and yeah. what do you do at that point? Right. Are you like, Hey, well, we already said we were going to go. Like, I kind of like the idea of January 10th, not necessarily being an ultimate deadline and the league having a little bit more leeway before they ultimately say yes or no to their players going. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, less fascinating is the situation with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, it seems hockey will persist in Arizona, no matter how little attention that the organization gets, whether they not they have an arena, a home, a district or county that wants them to be there. There will be hockey in Arizona, though, because Gary Bettman wants there to be hockey in Arizona. But some interesting news this week with Glendale City Council accusing the organization of not paying, uh, whether it was rent or taxes or whatever it was. There was a there was a big hubbub about all this. It seems like this is just like Glendale City Council being at war with the organization and things being very petty. And he said, she said, it does point to the bigger issues that this team is sort of unwanted, it seems, to a certain degree. But this does seem like, more than anything else, an annoying, petty situation that this hockey team is dealing with. But again, a hockey team needs an arena, a hockey team needs a home. And, you know, it seems like the Arizona Coyotes are not wanted in their home right now. I mean, if you're in a situation, and I know I'm kind of reading it from the side of the city here, if you're in a situation where you have a lot of unpaid bills and taxes uh, of upwards of like over $1.3 million, hey, I'd feel a little bit petty about that too. Uh, so I, 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 it's been interesting to kind of see the war of, war, the war of words between the city uh, and whatever statements the Coyotes put out between those two teams, I just think it's just so ridiculous uh, that the Coyotes have put themselves in this situation. Uh, we don't give them enough, uh, it's weird to say credit, but we don't give them enough attention for being the tire fire that they are, considering what they've endured over the uh, the violations over testing players, the, uh, the draft pick fiasco uh, with Mitchell Miller, and now this, where it seems as if they they could even be locked out of their own arena before the end of this calendar year. Like, <laughs> not to mention the fact that they have the low attendance issues that they have. This is literally like like we we go in on all these other franchises for their play on the ice. Like the Arizona Coyotes as an NHL franchise, the way that they're being run, they are like the fiasco of this league, and we don't give them the attention probably because we don't really care that much to give them that attention because. Let's face it. Like, I mean, it's not even like the product on the ice right now is supposed to be that interesting. They're, they're literally in a situation where they're trying to lose to tank for a first overall pick. Um, I think if you're the NHL here, just you're essentially just pontificating just in the hopes that the NHL could work in Arizona. But dude, Houston's right there. Put it in Houston. <laughs> there are fans there looking for, I mean, I'm sure there are fans there looking for an HL team there, but it's an untapped market. And I understand some people are going to listen to this and they're like, well, what about Quebec City? I'm sure Quebec City will get its time, but the, there's more money in them going to Houston than in Quebec City. I I, I mean, and that's yeah. not me trying to advocate for a team to move, but like, I, I, I think that the way the Coyotes are just kind of being dealt with right now, just from an outsider's perspective, like, it doesn't make sense to me that the NHL is really just trying to make this work when there's it's there's seemingly a more viable solution uh, not too far away 
from 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 the state of Arizona. I mean, I guess a couple states over, but still, like it's 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 just kind of mind boggling to me that they're trying to play this up as if nothing is wrong when we're clearly seeing a lot of faults and warts with the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, I feel like it's it's strange that you know they won't acknowledge anything's wrong because you know they're they're they are the ultimate lawyer group in terms of like running a, uh, a league. They will always save face. But I do feel like it's a gamble to continue to double down on this idea. And the next step is actually building an arena. That is a major gamble. This is like a billion dollar, maybe not a billion dollars, but like a sizable gamble for whoever is going to front the money for for this, whether it's partly ownership, part the city of Tempe, whatever happens, whatever the situation is, part the NHL maybe, to fund this arena because this hasn't worked. And I get a lot of it is because it's a terrible drive out to Glendale to go to an Arizona Coyotes games. when Most of the fans are at the other side of the city in Scottsdale. But I just don't see why it's necessary and why it's so desperate for them to want to make this work. I feel like it's more of a gamble than anything else to build that rink because I'm not convinced that the fans are going to make their way out there, even if it's a shorter drive. And if they have that rank, then they have no excuse. And this thing might just completely go down with the ship. And it's also a gamble, I think, to trust this ownership group. I mean, they're the ones playing these petty games, it seems, with the city of Glendale. I think they're making life miserable on each other on purpose. I think they're late with, you know, payments because they're like, oh, you don't want us here? Then we're going to be, you know, we're going to be, <laughs> I didn't want to swear, blockheads. What, what, did, what did Brady Kachuk said? Brickheads? Uh, uh, brickheads, yeah, you said brickheads. Then we're, we're going to act like that. We're going to be Brendan Lemieux and be so <laughs> annoying to you because we want to make life miserable for you because you're making life miserable for us. This just seems like a petty, stupid relationship. And NHL owners probably shouldn't be conducting themselves in that way. They should be professional. They should be above board. And it seems like they're not just, they're not that. They're not that. So... If you're Gary Bettman in the NHL, you are trusting that this and this major investment is going to work and that hockey can work in Arizona, and maybe it can with the new arena. I have my doubts, but you're also doubling down on an ownership group that is just not operating the same way professionally that others should and what the standards should be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Houston, go to Houston. Just do it. You might as well just cut your losses. You get to keep a market in the Southern United States. You still have the symmetry, 16 teams in each conference. It's, it's still perfect. Seattle, you know, rounded things off beautifully. Houston's still on the West coast, just a little further East, but it's all good. If, if, and for the people who look at Arizona as a state where they could connect to the Latino population, I, I, I think there's, uh, I mean, Houston Tech, the whole state of Texas, they, they could still tap into that. Of course. Like, I, I think it just makes sense just to go that way. You could still uh, try to highlight a few good things that you want out of having a market uh, like that in the National Hockey League. It's just clear right now that Arizona just isn't that market right now. That being said, uh, I am all for petty squabbles. So if there's more pettiness between now and December 20th, oh, I, 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 I'm I ready. I am ready. For people uh, not watching, uh, I just have my uh, my. Hey, what do you got uh, in that thing? Over. I got like strawberry, 
this kind of like uh so i got strawberry i got um what's it called new it's supposed to be nutella but like is not uh, it's like store brand nutella and um and and some and some uh almond milk in here actually nutella and the fruit shake is uh a quick way to add some calories in what's supposed to be a healthy breakfast but you do you you do your thing i think it tastes pretty nice man i'm uh, sure it does nutella makes everything taste pretty good i think even the off-brand stuff what's not tasting pretty good and that was just the worst segue of all time (laughs) is the edmonton oilers uh and their current form losers of five straight let's quickly touch on the oilers who we've been lauding a lot on this podcast, but not recently, uh, and for good reason, because they're in such poor form. Losing Mike Smith, being without a number one goaltender, a legitimate number one goaltender, having big issues on defense in terms of injuries. That was all covered up by the brilliance of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for the first, what, seven, eight weeks of the season. But they've slowed down a little bit, and all the warts are showing themselves here in Edmonton. Have you Have you lost confidence in what the Oilers are doing because you know we've discussed how we want to see McDavid in big games we want to see him in the hunt for championships but uh it's starting to fall apart a little bit now there's still time to pull things together still time to make moves still times to get time to get healthy but this team doesn't look different does it uh it's 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 a bit of a tough time for these Oilers but I'll say this I said that the trade deadline was going to be important for the Edmonton Oilers it this stretch of play further reinforces that they need to be active at the deadline or at least before then getting someone on defense trying to see if they could find a quick fix and goal like they cannot afford to squander this opportunity uh john tortorella might have a point uh with the way that he was describing the oilers as a team or at least Connor mcdavid but i don't necessarily want to give him that credit but i think with the way the team is right now they clearly need some help uh, just to kind of further help their reinforcements here. But I, I, I think with this team, uh, one point that we always like to kind of bring up is the idea that they're so potent offensively that maybe they're able to outscore their problems. I don't see a team in the last five games that's been able to do that. So no. it, I, I don't know if I'm at a point where I'm losing confidence in the Edmonton Oilers. They're still going to make the playoffs. I don't think their season's going to fall off of a cliff. If it does, though, that is just going to be a catastrophe beyond epic proportions and heads will definitely need to roll, but I don't think they're at that point yet. It just further reinforces the notion for me that the Edmonton Oilers, they need to be active at the, at any possible moment to get like a Ben Chirot or get some other goaltending to help them out. I know I'm trying out the name Ben Chirot out there, but it looks as if the defenseman is probably going to be the top target. He's the guy. The trade he's, the guy. He's, yep. he's the guy. So that asking price is probably going to go up for him. Uh, and I think the, the Edmonton Oilers would benefit from having a player like him in their lineup. Uh, yeah, they definitely would. Um, all the, you know, I was mentioning earlier on that, you know, the importance of Evan Bouchard, and he's been really good, but they've just been decimated from the defensive core. But what's really been disappointing in the last couple of weeks is that bottom six forward group that's just being outscored routinely, not doing the things that I thought they were doing early in the season. So, I, you know, it's not just defense that they have to uh, probably address. And, you know, one thing we've been critical of with Ken Holland is just showing a lack of creativity, not being... Uh, you know, not being able to come up with solutions to problems as readily as they need to be. And wouldn't it be, you know, incumbent on him right now to get out in front of things, to try and make these moves in the lead up to the deadline that's still a couple months away? I feel like this team needs that shot in the arm and that extra boost uh, and clearly just an upgrade 
from whether it's defense, whether it's that forward group, they just need more. And I'm still not convinced Ken Holland's going to be the guy that's going to bring it to them. You make a really interesting point. We've noticed throughout the year, the spotlight has burned pretty brightly on the Montreal Canadiens through their futility and Mark Bergevin. Eventually he's gone. The spotlight was burning very brightly on the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning. Eventually he's gone and Travis Green is gone. I don't know about you. I mean, those two franchises, they were, they, they dealt with their stuff. I want, I'm very curious to see how everyone's going to look at the Edmonton Oilers. If this slide continues, if they continue to be mediocre throughout the rest of, of drop time up until the trade deadline. And you mentioned Ken Holland trying to get put, trying to put himself out there. How are people going to view this guy uh, leading up to that point? It's just been really interesting to see all these different Canadian markets and the way that their general managers have been viewed up until the point where they get let go. I'm not saying Ken Holland has, has put himself into that position, but he's definitely somebody who uh, will very much be under the microscope and under, underneath the magnifying glass in the coming weeks. And especially considering the fact, especially in Canada, considering the way that some of the other teams have kind of dealt with it. Pierre Dorian, I mean, we all kind of expected the centers are going to be bad. He just kind of shot the gun, uh, kind of overshot the gun. But mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers, a lot of pressure is going to be mounting on them now. Yeah. Uh, what was the safest job in Canada? As uh, I believe your buddy at the STPN likes to stay, Steve Dangle, the safest job in Canada being a GM for Canadian franchise, maybe not so safe anymore, I although know. I don't think. I don't think Ken Holland's in any trouble just yet. He'll probably have uh, a couple more kicks at the can if this doesn't go uh, according to plan. What's gone according to plan for Marc-Andre Fleury is a Hall of Fame career, I think. He hit the 500-win milestone in Montreal. I don't know if you were there, Julian, um, but always exciting when Marc-Andre Fleury comes through, uh, whether it's your town or mine, because he's one of the great personalities in this game, and he's one of the greatest goaltenders of all time based on uh, the production and the stats and the wins that he's put up. Uh, again, I don't know if you can add anything to that if you were there, or any anecdotes, um, but pretty cool in Montreal to hear them chanting his name as he reached a milestone in a city in which he hasn't had that much success, fun, funny enough. Uh, I was at the game, and uh, it was one of the coolest moments at the Bell Center this season. Uh, in the final minutes of the game, just hearing fans chant flurry. There are actually quite a few people wearing Chicago Blackhawks jerseys at that game as well. Uh, but a lot of people near the end of the game, uh, they just turn their allegiances around to, to Flurry, and then everyone off the bench goes off, and the PA announcer just immediately announces Flurry as the game's number one star. There are even a few Canadians players who were just staying on the ice just to you know just look at the celebrations and and, and congratulate him. Uh, it was one of the cooler moments uh, just to watch in person. This is a guy who definitely has a Hall of Fame career. There are only two goalies in the National Hockey League history who have won more games than he has. Uh, he's a Vezina Trophy winner. He has Stanley Cups to his resume. Uh, this is a guy who, and all, not to mention the Olympic success as well. I know he didn't necessarily play in 2010, but he has a gold medal. Uh, I don't think he played in 2014 either. Was he on that 2014 team? Yeah, at the very no, least, he I, ha- I don't believe he was. He has gold medals. He could always just kind of add to the resume. It doesn't matter if he didn't play. It's still cool just to have them. Uh, but I think even regardless of that, he has himself a Hall of Fame career. One of the better goalies, one of the more fun personalities. This is also a guy who we all thought was going to retire before the beginning of this season. Uh, so the fact that he's able to put himself in a position where he can get that milestone win, uh, that's a really cool story for him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it was really cool just to be able to witness that in person, uh, even if the game itself was not necessarily the most enthralling. But uh, the fact that it turned into a milestone victory for Marc-Andre Fleury, 
that was really fun to see. So uh, he deserves a, a really early tire pump from us. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I almost coughed there. But uh, yeah, he uh, definitely go. deserves a, uh, a tire pump. I have another guy I want for the tire pump as well, but uh, I'll mention Marc-Andre Fleury for that because he's very deserving. Okay, uh, uh, very deserving. I, I agree with you, but he gets his own segment. I mean, he could get the pump, but he can also oh yeah, just uh, just stick with the segment. I mean, yeah, he's the one guy who can sort of turn a fan base, right? Like, not this isn't like permanent. This is a this is a in the moment thing. Um, but Marc Andre Fleury is universally loved around this league, and when he has those moments, when he you know, he's on the cusp of 500 wins and, you know, the season isn't going great for Montreal. Should be no surprise that the fans would be chanting his name and being excited about watching that sort of milestone because he's just that type of person around the league and a Hall of Famer, I think for sure. Even if it's not as dominant as others, uh, I just think the resume is obviously there. Another guy that might be at the forefront of that uh, decision-making process with the Olympics because, you know, he's talked about, you know, not wanting to even go to Chicago because uh, of family reasons and not wanting to be uprooted. And then, you know, we got a, he's obviously got a family to, uh, to consider, but uh, maybe he wants that opportunity to potentially be a starter for the Canadian Olympic team. I know that's a big point of contention for Canadian hockey fans. Who's going to get the net if they do indeed go, um, you know, Fleury could definitely be in that conversation. And would that be an opportunity that he would want to chase or would he be, you know, no moss to five weeks potentially in a Chinese hotel room. Last note for us today, uh, Ben Bishop forced to call it a career with a nagging knee injury. A bit surprising that a knee injury in this day of wow. age would end a goaltender's career. I mean, previously, like Bobby Orr's career ended with a knee injury, right? And that was before all these advances where guys are coming back from ACLs in six, seven, eight months. And it just seems like, you know, they can figure out a way to solve these issues pretty quickly, but whatever it is with Bishop, it's not going away and it's going to force him to uh, retire or at least call it a career. What's the legacy of Ben Bishop for you? It's a good question. I think he's a, uh, was a guy, I think at the, at the height of his powers, like a pretty good goaltender in this league. Yeah. Uh, just somebody who uh, I don't think he has a Stanley cup to his resume. I think he's been in the final, but not a Stanley cup to his resume, but still, uh, not necessarily the best goalie, but definitely somebody who will remember in the last like decade or so as one of the more premier talents at the position. Not a Hall of Famer, but definitely somebody we looked at as a, a guy who had himself a pretty decent career between the pipes and the NHL. So nothing to be ashamed of with his legacy. No, injuries just seem to dog him, right? Like, you know, in the run to the Stanley Cup final, it was Anton Kudobin because Ben Bishop, for whatever reason, just couldn't go. And it seemed like... That always um, sort of just followed him around where it just wasn't the situation wasn't right for him over and over and over again. And he was part of those Tampa Bay teams before they were really, really good. I guess he went to the Stanley yeah. Cup final with Tampa in 2015, 2015 as well. So he's had a yeah. couple meaningful runs being a part of those early Tampa teams before they uh, won their Stanley Cups. And, and then he was a big difference maker for Dallas for a couple of years as well. But the thing I do remember about him is being traded one for one for Corey Conacher and everyone being like, Ottawa's Ottawa just fleeced the Tampa Bay Lightning. They got Corey Conacher. And of I course, Conacher didn't amount to much. And Ben Bishop went on to play 920 goaltending for Tampa for about four or five years. So not the best trade for the Ottawa Senators, but you know, there's been a few of those for them as well. 
And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning organization eventually got Corey Conacher back because the one year I was in Syracuse, he was a, he was in the organization with the crunch. So, yeah, that's going to go down as one of the weirder trades we've seen maybe ever. Yeah, and helped uh, groom Andre Vasilevsky, who obviously is sort of uh, pulled ahead of his shadow, if uh, mm. that's the proper way to put that. But uh, Andre Vasilevsky has definitely carried the torch. Um, what's been great goaltending for Tampa Bay for quite some time okay you teased it let's get to those tire pumps it's where we bestow praise on people in and around the game i will let you lead things off i realized that uh, we spoke a lot about one of the best nhl plays we've seen in quite some time and trevor zegris deserves so much credit for what he was able to do but we did not mention his name when we spoke about the play i don't think i mentioned his name when i talked about him on the cj show uh, but Sonny Milano, the guy who actually scored go. the goal, yes. deserves a tire And called for it, apparently, which is pretty yes. impressive. Yes, like Sonny Milano deserves some credit for the way this play unfolded. And he should not be lost in the piece of history that will go with this goal. Of course, Trevor Zegers pulling off the assist. That is the fun part. That is the awesome part here. But Sonny Milano, it takes a lot to be able to bat that puck in. Uh, we should not lose sight of that. And he deserves a tire pump from me this week. Uh, good on Sonny Milano for finishing that chance. I like it. I was feeling particularly snarky, and I thought I was going to tweet the most surprising part of this clip is Sonny Milano scoring a goal. Uh, <laughs> but I decided not to do that because he's actually had a decent year in, in Anaheim, and he's actually been okay since he's been uh, he's moved on to Anaheim. But that was one of the like he was a. 13th overall pick I think like a lot of hype behind him when he got drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets it didn't work out bounced around a couple of franchises played a lot of minor league hockey seems he's carved out a little bit of a niche beside Trevor Zegras who's uh you know they would be in the not together at the U.S. development program but similar ties and uh you know maybe it's working out for them and working out for Milano who does deserve credit for that moment even if uh you know I wanted to take a shot at him in the moment. Uh, I will give my tire pump to the Canadian Football League. Great Cup. The 108th Great Cup will be played today. This is Sunday. Uh, And honestly, I don't know. I thought for a second that we had witnessed our last Great Cup uh, when the pandemic was at its worst and businesses were being shut down. The CFL. This was a particular, you know, a detriment to this league that that requires gate presence and requires games to be played for their survival they are always going to be scrapping and clawing in order to be relevant and to exist really and to get through a year of not playing football not bringing in any money this year being shortened and a lot of issues with players the majority of players coming from the united states and the problems we've seen with cross-border travel, like everything it seemed was tenuous here for the Canadian Football League, but they will play another Grey Cup. It will be a rematch between Hamilton and Winnipeg. And I'm very, very excited to watch our game be played once again. So shout out to the Canadian Football League for surviving, for getting through it, and hopefully good things are ahead for Randy Ambrosi and company, even if he's teasing things like four-down football, stuff like that. Uh, chill, I'm not Randy. Down with that. Let's yeah. chill. Let's Come not on. get too let's not get ahead of ourselves. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna fix anything, any problems, or get any more attention for going to four down football. Just let the game be. Do not alienate your fans that have stuck with it through this 
for you and just reward them with a a good game today and a commitment to three down football. Yeah, like if I want to watch four down football, I have the NFL for that. Just stick to the three downs you're used to. Um, I'm going to give a prediction. Okay. Hamilton 34, Winnipeg 28. I'd like to see Hamilton uh, win a great cup for the first time since 1999. I think when uh, the Bombers won, they had the longest great cup yeah. drought. And if memory serves now, I believe that title, unfortunately, has been bestowed to Hamilton now. So I'd like to see them uh, win a great cup this year. But uh, I know their quarterback troubles, uh, uh, or uh, not troubles, but they were probably going to see Dean Evans play instead of Jeremiah Masoli. So it's going to be pretty interesting what they do, but I think they have the talent to duke this one out. Yeah, it's definitely the right game. Uh, it's the, definitely the right franchises, too. I mean, the Bombers have been the best team in the CFL all season long, and they're back-to-back champions. It's always good to see the champions return, and it gives you someone to root against. I think you'll be rooting against them. I'd like to see Hamilton win as well, but maybe for some financial gambling reasons, I wouldn't mind seeing the Blue Bombers repeat. But we'll just You made a cuff bet? We'll leave it there. Yeah, I made a cuff bet on the uh, Blue Bombers at uh, – even money entering the final four just because you know they're the best team in the league but this dane evans thing i was i was i was banking on Masoli. so now that they've gone to evans bit of a new wrinkle although it was him who lost last year or two years ago i guess in the great cup i believe he was the starting quarterback then because Masoli was injured um but someone could also dane evans was the guy who helped the ticats get to the great cup game this year in the first place so. he was he was he's definitely i mean that's the right move to go with him um but I fear that that Bombers running attack with the rested Andrew Harris will uh, will be the difference in this one. But we shall see. First Grey Cup in t- in more than two years mm-hmm. this Sunday or later on today. And we'll both be enjoying that. And we'll both be enjoying some you know, NHL hockey, some NFL later on. It's another busy sports Sunday. And it's another busy week of hockey ahead. And we'll be back next week to recap it all on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Thank you, Julian, for joining us once again. Hey, thanks for having me, dude. And peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.